I'm so excited to have Avni with me here today. Avni and I were just riffing before I hit record that we actually connected back in perhaps 2012 when Avni was working with Adidas over in Shanghai and she was between Shanghai and Boston with her husband and they were expecting their first. She thought perhaps Vancouver was a place to explore further to be closer to her family and we connected as we do through the land of Lululemon and um, what was happening in Vancouver. And I wanted to kick this podcast off with that because Avni's work and her contribution to the world is so much greater than what it was while working in that sweaty land of Adidas. And that's what we're here to riff about. So Avni, welcome to the show where we get to riff on your work and contribution as a professional parent and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. Thanks for having me. So let's start in Shanghai, if you don't mind. You had done an MBA and as most post-MBAers do, find really juicy work. How, how was life in Shanghai? How was that chapter when you look back on it now and think life is so radically different? Yeah, I mean, I would say like the first part of my career was really, I mean, I have an undergrad in chemistry. And so just entering the world of business was a little bit of a departure for what I thought I was going to be doing. And so spent probably the first, I don't know, eight, 10 years um, working for really incredible companies, Procter & Gamble, um, Boston Consulting Group, Adidas, um, really getting a ton of experience, but really getting them to invest, I would say, in me, having me move around in different uh, cities, countries, all that kind of stuff. And so I really enjoyed that part. And Shanghai was just one part of that whole chapter. Gosh, we learned so much. I mean, you take trying to build a business in Canada or the US, and then you add you know, cultural differences, language differences, all those different things. And I mean, that was uh, such an incredible challenge. We had such an amazing time um, while we were over there. Um, but as you mentioned, we were about to embark on a new adventure personally, um, as I, I was expecting our first daughter. And so ultimately, uh, we made the decision that we should come back at least uh, stateside to have her and then kind of figure things out from there. And so I didn't know it then, but I would say that the year that we spent in Shanghai really started to, you know, plant the seeds of doing something that was more entrepreneurial, something more fast moving, something that, you know, really uh, swung for the fences. So didn't really realize it then, but that was really, um, you know, you live in, you live in Shanghai and China for a while and you're gonna get addicted to that kind of pace. And so when we came back, we had our daughter and soon thereafter, we decided to, um, to move closer to um, family. We actually ended up landing in Seattle, you know, where my husband went to Amazon, I went to Starbucks, but you know, shortly thereafter, I, you know, I really realized that I wanted to kind of strike out on my own and explore this land of technology and how it can be used to impact the lives of families in particular. Golly. And when you say swing from the fences, you mean it because you have <laughs> swung. And I know the last time we spoke was about one of your latest ventures, Poppy, but I thought you might have had something else prior to that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think the interesting thing, um, as I've kind of embarked on in this world of uh, startups, is that it's all additive. Each of these experiences can feel super, you know, maybe different, um, but they all kind of build on top of each other. And so I made my way to startups. You know, I worked at another startup between Starbucks and then starting my own. Also, just because I mean, it's really nice to say I really want to do something on my own. But you know, to have been someone that has worked in the corporate setting for a decade, you know, for me, I'm relatively risk averse, even though it doesn't <laughs> profile wouldn't suggest it. But and so it was hard to tell whether it was the romantic side of me just saying that I wanted to do a startup, or whether I really had it in me to want to build a company. And so spent a little bit at another startup. Really started to love. Um, it wasn't certainly wasn't sexy. It was hard, but I love the pace. I love the idea of um, you know an initiative, a product, and really uh, working with your team to build it and get it out you know that week. And so shortly thereafter, I, I went and launched Papaya and Post. Um, that was the first uh, startup kind of idea that I was obsessed about. It was all around this idea of how do you pass on your heritage and your culture to your kids. You know, I grew up, my parents are from India, and so we would go to India every couple of years, and that's kind of how I have strong memories of, uh, you know, being connected to my culture that way. And that wasn't the reality for my kids, and so wanted to explore a way to bring that to them. Um, and so uh, my co-founder and I, we thought of, you know, using the subscription box model to do that. And so beautifully curated things related to language and food and stories brought to your family every single month. And so we did that. Um, that was our, you know, first crash course in everything to do with um, entrepreneurship. The biggest lesson was coming from big companies is that you don't have a market. Um, and I think you forget. I think you forget that when you work for like Starbucks and Procter and Gamble, that even if you launch a like crappy product, you're going to have millions of people still or if not millions of people, like millions of dollars in revenue, just because there's already a built-in market. And that was a painful lesson that I had to learn, that you can build the most beautiful thing, and it doesn't really matter unless, A, people can find out about it, and it, B, it's relevant to them, and it solves a real problem for them. And so we learned that in the world of subscription boxes, that the cost of acquiring a customer wasn't necessarily in line with what the overall value was for this kind of proposition. And so did that for a while, um, but ultimately it wasn't going to be a uh, sustainable venture. And so we shut that down, but that was literally within like probably about 10 months or so that we learned that kind of important lesson. But it was in that period that the, the seeds of poppy really were um, kind of sown. Mm, I think it's so awesome to hear the stories of how raising your own family have inspired some of these entrepreneurial you know, spirited um, ventures. And before we dive into Poppy, because I think this is relevant for Poppy as well, I want to know how you started to cultivate and build your obsession muscle. You spoke <laughs> of it was your first obsession. And obsession is so not to be taken for granted. And we all don't have things that we're obsessed with in this way. So how did you, how did you go about cultivating that muscle, Avni? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I don't know that I would say I've necessarily cultivated it. I think it's a part of my personal DNA. But I what I would say is that curiosity is my source. I let myself be curious or like follow my curiosities. Mm. And so that's, um, I think that's the best way that I can kind of describe that because I think so too often we say, I mean, there, there's the other side of it though is discipline, right? So, and I've had to learn, you know, how to walk this tightrope because 
you can't be constantly curious, especially when you get into, and so with Poppy, you know, was working on that for over four years. At some point you need to, um, the curiosity still has to be there, but at some point you have to let discipline and focus kind of take over a little bit as you kind of get on your path. But in the early days, as you're trying to understand, like, what is it that I want to work on? Or is there something there? Is there, you know, should I pull these threads? For me, it's always been driven by curiosity. And then depending on what I find when I start digging, that sort of like fuels the obsession. Because mm -hmm. if I continue to be curious about something, if I have a never ending list of questions, I'm like, but, but why? But okay, but why? That, that's the thing that I look for because if I can't stop thinking about it, whether it's in the evenings or, you know, putting the kids to bed or whatever it is, and I don't mean to be like, well, actually, I'll be super honest is that sometimes it pushes you to be not present. And that can be kind of dangerous, especially when you're talking about like a partner and kids and things like that. You need, you need that element to know that this is going to be something that is going to fulfill, not fulfill you, but like have that space, that fertile space to actually go launch a full startup on. Mm. Um, you need that kind of level of obsession, I find. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a balance that I can tell you that I am very drawn to obsession. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, the curiosity is incredible and until it's not, until it doesn't serve us. And I guess mm -hmm. the other side of obsession is the discipline and is mm -hmm. the ability to stay present with the other important things in life too. Exactly. Um, but it's a fine line of an entrepreneur. It's a fine line. Totally. <laughs> totally. So you've mentioned Poppy. You went on to start another venture, as you mentioned, more than four years. Tell us about Poppy and um, perhaps the greatest lesson you, you learned from Poppy. Yeah, so Poppy, I started because I felt a visceral kind of gap in my life. So we lived in Seattle, um, no family in town. Both of us had fairly intense jobs. And so we had no safety net. And I find this is true of the vast majority of families that live in the US and Canada is that we've moved around for our careers and for education and things like that. But then we start having families and we realize, oh, shoot, we don't have backup. And I think that's just so important for us to be building families and in a way that we don't feel kind of broken in the process. And so for me, honestly, it, it had been a period, we had just had our second daughter. It had been a period where we had a great nanny, but honestly, after the nanny, we had like literally no bench behind that. And so for me, the curiosity was stemmed from, you know, everyone says it takes a village to raise a child, but none of us have our villages anymore. And so what would it take to leverage technology to be able to build that some semblance of a village? And so Poppy was really the idea of, I believe that there are incredible people that live within our communities. So could you use technology to find them, to vet them, and then connect them to families when they needed that care? And so that's basically the platform that we built. In the early days, it was as simple as I went out and found and vetted these amazing um, University of Washington students, uh, reached out to families that lived in the neighborhood and said, hey, if you need someone amazing, just let me know. And I kind of played the in-between on the calendar and the you know, connecting and the vetting. But even with that simple test, you could quickly see that there was something there. Parents were telling other parents and you know, kind of started to grow through word of mouth. We eventually you know, started to build this out in a real way, um, uh, had a technical co-founder, um, really build it out. We raised a seed round and continue to just grow it in Seattle, all knowing that this is a really tough space. It's tough for so many different reasons, from qualifications to pay to the margins. But for me, 
it was really, really, you know, easy to see the impact that we made in parents' lives and honestly on caregiver sides too. Like we were solving important problems on both sides. And so fast forward three to four years, we built out and we were serving thousands of families every month in, in a really, you know, compelling and kind of, uh, I would say complicated way. If you think about all the operations and the trust and safety and all those different things that have to go into something like this. Um, but we had an incredible team to be able to build it. The challenge is and was and continues to be that the mission and the ambition was always to build something that could work for the millions of families across the country. And Seattle was supposed to be just a testing ground. But even within Seattle, we could see as we started to push beyond a certain amount of scale that the economics started to kind of break down. What I mean by that is as we get into some of the supply side or the caregiver side um, economics of how much do they need to make, what do qualifications mean, how much can parents afford, as we get into all of those, the math starts to break down. And so it can be totally fine as a small kind of local or regional kind of agency, but not necessarily as we're thinking about what a platform at scale kind of needs to be in this category. And so um, we ran a ton of different experiments in the, probably the last year. And that's kind of like the beauty of it. When you know that you're up against kind of a wall, you, you really start swinging for the fences even more. We worked with stay-at-home moms. We worked with lots of different uh, folks in the community. But ultimately, the insight was that this wasn't going to be able to scale. And so with that kind of painful realization, decided that it is better to do right by you know, what the mission of the company was and call it. And so we decided to shut it down in December. And so while that outcome certainly wasn't the one that I was looking for, the, the, the knowledge and what we did and what we built over the, you know, those four years um, was immense. And so for me, the hope is that you take that and you, and you build from there. Gosh, I mean, shutting down is not easy. And I, I'll, I'll be sure to include the link below. I think your blog is one of my most favorite things to read. And I remember hearing about you shutting your, the, the post you wrote about shutting Poppy down and what it took for you to make that call. And I mean, I think it's really easy to talk about raising money and it's talk, you know, it's fun to talk about the hustle and how hard you're working, but there's nothing glamorous about having to share news about shutting something down, especially after you've raised money and especially after mm -hmm. it's a topic and a, you know, a business that's so near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. You're talking about, you know, how, how would you equate it? You were the Uber of nannies or the Uber of childcare? Yeah. I mean, in many ways there are parallels. It's this idea that you can build something that is so accessible, so easily accessible that you could press a button and you can get access to that. And I think that's a deeply uh, important and powerful kind of concept for parents that who don't have those types of resources, right. who don't um, have somebody that has their back. So yeah, it's a, it's a, an appropriate kind of analogy to think about that kind of accessibility. Accessibility. Now, we, you know, we can talk about shutting it down. And I think, you know, my, my husband always actually likes to say that quitting is actually the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not easy to quit. Mm -hmm. I want to learn from you about the lessons since shutting it down. What have you garnered and what have you learned in the months, you know, since December? Yeah, and I mean, I think this is such a deeply important um, topic uh, to talk about because I agree, I don't think we talk about it enough considering that something like what, eight or nine out of 10 uh, ventures do fail. Yeah. Um, so I think it's something that we do need to talk about more openly because I think there, as I've learned, there's lots of considerations that you have to think of in the end as much as you have to think of in the beginning and, and running a company. 
um, how do you do right by your investors and your users and your employees and frankly by yourself and your family? Sure. Um, I think those are really important things to think about. And so all of those learnings through that period um, will stay with me always. But it, I think in the intervening time, I think what I've realized, there is the most complicated, I think, thing that I wrestled with is this idea of quitting. Am I quitting? Am I giving up? Because those are things that don't come easy to me. And when is it right or when is it okay to do that? Because you hear all of the, you hear the lore of people, you know, pulling the 11th hour miracle kind of things. And sometimes everyone just says, but you just have to persist and you'll figure it out. Mm. And, you know, I think there's truth to that, but I think there's also very different circumstances. So could there have been an eventuality where I let 80% of the team go, took a little bit of money and turned this company into something completely different? Yeah, I, you know, totally there could have been. Was that the right thing for, you know, the users that would have lost the service anyways? Um, the employees that I would have let go, the investors that invested on some one thing and I was about to turn it into another thing? Maybe that wasn't the way that I took a look at it and, and was, I felt right for my situation and our situation. But I think there's lots of different people that you could read the same cards and like make a different play. Right. So there's no judgment there. It's just to say sometimes it is the better and right or thing to call it. And that doesn't mean that all is lost either. And I think that's something I've struggled with is just because you know, the way that I've, the phrase that goes around in my mind is that this is what trying looks like, frankly. You have a bold vision in your head and you give it a shot. You give it your all in as responsible and as good a way as you can. And sometimes it doesn't work the way that, I mean, so I come from a scientific kind of background with a chem degree. And so if you think in the scientific or the academic kind of world, you come up with like hypotheses. And the whole point is that you're trying to collect data to try to suggest like, you know, do you have enough data to support this or not? And, and it isn't a failure, you know, you don't have a failed hypothesis just because it isn't a failure of the experiment just because something didn't turn out the way they thought um, it might. Mm. And so I think of that in the world of startups, it's the exact same. Our jobs are to have bold hypotheses. Our jobs are to run really great, insightful experiments. And a lot of times they don't run the way that we thought they were going to, but that is, that is not failure. So that's something that I, I held on to. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit behind because you're almost six months, five or six months post, you know, that incredible experiment, let's call it. Right. And you're getting back on your entrepreneurial feet. You're, you're back on the horse, so to speak. And before we dive into perhaps what's next, I am, I'm curious about, you know, one or two things that have helped you uh, and aided you in, in being able to get back on the pony. Um, mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you look and say, I've done the experiment and I actually never want to get back in the lab again. Right. And that's not uncommon and that's totally okay. And yet my, why I'm so drawn to you is I was like, I can't wait to hear what she's going to do next. Mm -hmm. And so before the, the next, the what's next, I want to know what has supported you in getting back to the horse, so to speak. Absolutely. So I, I you know, it's funny in, all the things I've done in my career, I don't think that I've ever taken this concept of time or space. So, you know, if I left one job on a Friday, I started the next one on a Monday. And I, th I don't think that's a bad thing, but I was always so excited about what I was going towards that I just wanted to get started. And so this period was kind of harder for me personally, because being in a sort of limbo, everyone says, oh, take time. And, and I wanted to, but 
it took some time for me to really appreciate what that meant. And so I think for me, first of all, like family and friends that just understand that sometimes you just need space. And that means like, we don't want to talk about this or like, you know, right. you don't have to. Sometimes that, that was deeply important. So I had so many friends and everyone kind of reaching out and just saying, hey, you know, heard this hard news. I want to make sure that you're okay. And I'll be super honest, like I ignored most of them for probably a couple of months. I just wasn't in the space that I wanted to re visit that 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 ground and everyone understood and i think that is super important i certainly don't want to equate it to kind of human grieving process but there is a grieving process in here and there's a lot of parallels that i've that i've heard from fellow founders and so part of that is it's very personal and it's very different for each person um but for me i had to grieve i don't know for for founders it's also i think it's tremendously hard for my early team as well but for a founder there's so much of my identity that was wrapped up in this this was another my babies in a different way and so finding the way to grieve the loss of a future that wasn't going to happen that i thought that i dreamed about i mean that's that's something that you need space and time for and so i'm grateful that for lots of different reasons, from a financial point, from an emotional point, like I was given the space to be able to do that. And then I think the other part was that I had folks that reached out and said, hey, when you're ready and if you're ready, um, let's talk uh, for options um, from a career standpoint. And that ranged from, you know, joining different companies to potentially thinking of partnering different ways. And the reason that that was important to me was that I knew I wasn't ready then, but I knew that when I was ready, there were going to be lots of options to me. So I didn't need to panic that, you know, all was lost and, you know, there wasn't a what's next kind of there. And so that also in its own way gave me kind of the space to really evaluate what was going to be the right next step and not rush into it. Mm. Well, you didn't rush and yet you said there's a new venture. So are we able to talk about what's next? Yeah, I mean, it's still very much in the early kind of days. But I think for me, as I looked at either joining a larger company again, or joining forces with another startup, all really interesting um, kind of ideas. But for me, it didn't, I, I don't know, for me, I think there's two things. One is I feel like my work is not yet done. I mean, I've, I've loved working on Poppy. It was so hard. And it was um, tremendously like complicated and, and, you know, all these different things. But I can't explain when you build something that has that kind of impact in the lives of parents um, and families and people that otherwise don't have anyone building for them and supporting them, especially, frankly, given the state of support in the U.S., that was deeply impactful for me. And I don't feel like that work is yet done. And I think there's still so much stuff to do. And my curiosity is kind of like an overdrive. Um, I want to keep on going. And so what I'm, what I'm clear on is that I want to build again. In, in the space of how do we make the lives of working parents, and if I was gonna be super honest, the lives of working mothers like myself, you know, easier. How could we build uh, technology and software that supports us in the way that we need to so that we can go free up mindshare and go be our formidable selves out there in the workforce or whatever else it is. I think my biggest thing is that different choices are right for different families, um, whether it's working or not working or flex time or whatever it is, but my thing is that I want people to be able to make those choices, not because their backs are up against a wall, but because those are truly the right choices for them. And so I want to build the things that help them have that, that leeway. And so still super early days, but again, I pretty clear that it's going to be in the working parents kind of, or the parents space, 
software driven, you know, really to be able to build that scale and that accessibility. That's really important to me. Incredible. Well, I really appreciate your candor in talking about being a professional mom and everything that goes into that and just how different it can look for everyone along the way. And while I think you know, parenting, you know, it takes two. And with all respect to men, I really, really bow to what goes on in a woman's body and spirit while Mm -hmm. bearing children, having children and and the aftermath, it's not done after that. And then they want to go back and still have careers. And it's not, you know, not to be taken lightly. Before we get to our last question, you know, you're raising two beautiful daughters who are so aware of what it's like to have two ambitious, risk-taking parents. And I want to know your, your hope or your wish for mm-hmm. your daughters as they really join you and your husband on this entrepreneurial ride. I think the biggest thing for us is that we want our girls to feel capable. We want them to feel like whatever, that if they see problems in the world that they have within them, what it takes to go and tackle them. I think that's the biggest kind of lesson of, you know, being a founder and an entrepreneur. I can't think of something that is more empowering to a child than for them to understand that they have all that they need within themselves. And so if they, it doesn't matter if their lives take them into entrepreneurship or art or whatever else it is, but I want them to grow up understanding that power that they have and that frankly, that responsibility because you know they are going to be grown they are growing up in in a certain amount of privilege and i want them to be able to recognize that and and appreciate it but then also use it so i think that's the best part of kind of growing up in a household with two entrepreneurs it is kind of it's complicated it, there are days that it's hard but i think it overall there's a fluidity there there's a there's a beautiful thing where they can kind of come in and see us working um, whenever they kind of want to and so that's ultimately my hope Oh gosh, absolutely. I mean, I think entrepreneurship is one of my favorite forms of art. <laughs> absolutely. There's nothing like it, a blank canvas. Absolutely. Well, we always wrap the Uncorked podcast with our last favorite question, and that is what is currently making your heart beat faster, Avni? I mean, honestly, uh, you know, with this conversation, uh, it's the idea of going back into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple of months in there where I didn't know if I had it either left in me or that I was going to be inspired again, like using that art um, kind of uh, metaphor, you need a muse, you need something that will incite you to like, you know, that level of uh, obsession again. And so for a while there was, you know, I wasn't sure. And so being back in that space where I feel beautifully obsessed with a problem and an idea again, I mean, that in its own way is, I don't know, I love that. I, I, it does make my heart beat a little faster because I, you know, I feel great gratitude for that. You can't take that for granted. And so I'm just super excited to try to do right by that and uh, see where it takes me next. Incredible. Thank you so much for your time. As I mentioned, we will have the link to your blog below because I think following that is nothing short of inspirational reading. And just know we're following and seriously cheering for you along the way. So grateful for the work you're doing. Thanks so much.